sermon slides. I'm going to hold that off for another day, okay? So I'm going to do something different, something I don't normally do, and that's going to, I'm going to speak to you extemporaneously today. And I want to save our final message for our number of your days uh, for another time. So we'll, we'll get that next time that we're together. Uh, we'll look at that, God willing. But I woke up this morning and been thinking about a story I heard years ago all morning. And I don't know all the details, can't remember, couldn't put my finger on it, but it was the story about a, a blizzard or a snowstorm that was terrible many, many years ago. 
Uh, if I remember correctly, it was out in the country church. And uh, the pastor made it to the service and only one person, one man made it to the service. So you had the pastor, you had this one man. And so the pastor was there and the pastor did the entire service like he would have if the church had been full. Sang all the songs, the prayers, the sermon, the whole entire service. At the end, when the final amen was pronounced, you had the greet time, greeting time as you go. And the man came up and I don't remember exactly, but it was along these lines. He, I think he was a farmer and uh, he was talking about uh, the service. And he did mention to the pastor that when he's out feeding the cows, if only one cow shows up, he didn't put out all the hay. Uh, but anyway, um, so I, that's been running through my mind. OK, that's been running through my mind this morning. So I thought, well, I'm not going to go the full message. I just want to share some thoughts out of the book of Hebrews this morning. So if you'd open your Bible to Hebrews and if you're reading through the New Testament with us, you are reading right now in the book of Hebrews. And so I've been reading along with you and I've been meditating upon the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews is one of those books that is a challenging book, to say the least. I think out of all the New Testament books, it's probably the one that I need to study more than any other to really get to the depths of it. Although we did have a class on it in Bible college. I've enjoyed diving into the book of Hebrews, if fresh and anew. And of course, a lot of folks know the faith chapter. Uh, they know the Hall of Faith in Hebrews. Uh, but a lot of the other things maybe you're not so familiar with. But I wanted to help you today and wanted to talk to you just a little bit about our Lord Jesus, share a few thoughts. And then we'll probably get out of here a little bit early today to get you home so you can enjoy a little bit more of the snow before it goes away. We're going to begin in Hebrews chapter one and we'll look at chapter one. Then we'll look at a passage, uh, I think, from chapter three and then finally a chapter, a uh, little passage from chapter seven. And then we'll be done. But to help you, if you're reading through the book of Hebrews and I think we would have been through chapter six this week. And so I went ahead and read chapter seven. Uh, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about what I found in chapter seven. But if you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on in Hebrews, uh, kind of think about this theme. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And that's one of the themes we find here. And that not only is Jesus better, there's also a theme, if you will, of do not lose your faith. Do not lose your faith. And so we find that Jesus is better than the angels and Jesus is better than Moses and Jesus is better than Aaron. And so look at the very first uh, verse of the chapter one. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So right away, we see it talks about the fact that God is speaking through us to us through his son. His son is the heir of all things. His son is the creator of all things. Verse three, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. So he's the one that keeps all things together. Kind of reminds us of the passage in Colossians, doesn't it? When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's such a better high priest, beloved. We notice here that he purged our sins and he sat down. One of the things you don't find the Old Testament priest doing is sitting down within the tabernacle or within the temple. Their work was never done, was it? Because they had to constantly offer sacrifices. But this one, our high priest, the son of God, he purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, the place of prominence, uh, the place of honor. 
having become so much better than the angels. Jesus is better. He's better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So he's better than the angels. And then go to chapter three. We find something else said about our high priest. I want to focus on this for just a few minutes. So we have a high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in chapter, excuse me, chapter four, verse 14, chapter four, verse 14. Chapter four, verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. And we just read that he purged our sins and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So we know where he is at this moment. And we have this great high priest and he's in the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Don't lose your faith. Don't give up on your faith. Now, I love this next part. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us and with our weaknesses, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Aren't you thankful about that? Our high priest can sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Because he became one of us. God robed himself in flesh. He became a man among men, the perfect God man. He lived as a man among men. And then notice that it says in verse 15, the next part, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And that should be a great encouragement to each one of us, beloved, to realize that our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's tempted. He was tempted in all points as are we. You know, really, when you think about temptation, it just comes in different ways now. But it's the same old temptations, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And these things come robed and clothed in different things now, but it's still the same temptations. And it says that Jesus was tempted in all points like we were. And so the temptations that we face, Jesus knows all about it. And it says he can sympathize with our weaknesses. Now, that should encourage you. You can go to him and you can pray. Why? Because he understands. He's not a high priest that's far off and removed from us. He is one who became a man like us, the God man. And though he's there in the heavens, he is present with us as well in his spirit. And he wants us to come to him in our weakness and our temptation. Notice verse 16. Let us therefore. Now, let's just read what we just read. He's our high priest. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. He was tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come how? Boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, beloved, I don't know what your need is today. I don't know what it is that you're facing today. But I do have this great message for you from the word of God. As a child of God, you can come boldly to the Lord Jesus, to the throne of grace and find mercy and help in your time of need. And he's one who understands what you're going through. He understands the temptations that you're facing. He understands the weaknesses that we endure. What a wonderful high priest. Jesus is so much better. Jesus is our perfect high priest, which brings us to chapter seven. If you would turn there. Now, you know, when it came to the earthly priest, the Levites, those who were serving the sons, the heirs of Aaron, 
that they would serve for a certain amount of time. They had to meet certain qualifications, of course, to serve. And then there was a limit upon their service. And then as men, of course, they would die anyway. They could not continue forever. Now, notice what it says in chapter seven, verse twenty three. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. You know, not no great, no matter how great someone is in a position or a job or some place. There comes a time where they cannot continue on. Infirmity, weakness, sickness, death comes. The thing about Aaron and all the priests in the Old Testament, they're all dead this morning. All those who have gone before us in many, many years gone by, they're dead. Praise the Lord. Those who knew him are with him today. They're alive forevermore. But here we have this whole picture of the Old Testament priests. They couldn't continue because they were prevented by death. Now, notice verse 24. But he. That is our high priest, the Lord Jesus. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. There is no ending to his priesthood. There is no moment where he's going to step aside or step down. He is alive forevermore. Therefore, because of that, he is also able, I love this, to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, beloved, there's some wonderful truth there to realize that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. Anyone who comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to this great high priest, to the Savior, can be saved. And they can be saved at any time because he ever lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is praying even now. Verse 26, for such a high priest was fitting for us. And then he begins to kind of outline the life and the character and the attributes of the Lord Jesus. For such a high priest was fitting for us. Because remember, all the Old Testament priests were men like you and me. But this is not just a man. This is the God man. This is God in the flesh. And it says, for such a high priest was fitting for us, who is first of all, holy. That is, he is set apart. That is, he is uh, exalted. He is holy. Then it says harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. He never failed. He never fumbled. We just read he was tempted in all points like as we yet without sin. That's what separates him from us because he's God and we're men and women and we're sinners. But he is holy and harmless and undefiled, separate for sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Now, notice verse 27. Who does not need daily as those high priests to offer sacrifices first for his own sins. You know, those were men who were set apart to serve in the tabernacle and then later in the temple. And when they came, they first had to make a sacrifice for their own sin because they were sinners. But not Jesus. It says, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Once for all. I've joked with you before, but it's so true. Aren't you glad today that we're not still living under the old covenant? Aren't you glad today that we didn't have to bring along animals and we had to sacrifice animals as a covering of our sin, which could never take away our sin, but just appeasement, a, a covering And that went on day after day after day after week after week after week, month after month, year after year. This continual sacrificing of these animals 
the blood being shed, a covering of the sin, the day of atonement, all those things. But it says here that Jesus did it once for all when he offered up himself. When you are reading the Old Testament, you're studying the Old Testament, when you're looking at the temple, you're looking at the tabernacle, you're looking at the sacrifices, those things are pictures. They point to the ultimate sacrifice. They point to the Lamb of God. They point to the Lord Jesus Christ. We see it all the way back when uh, Abraham took Isaac up on the mount. And he says, you know, where is the sacrifice? He said, son, God will provide himself a lamb. And of course, he sent a ram, and, and they, but he's talking about the Lamb of God, ultimately. And so here you have the Lamb of God who offered up himself. It says, for the law appoints as high priest, verse 28, for the law appoints as high priest men who have weakness. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. You know, as I study this, as I was just noting I notice it talks about our weakness a lot, doesn't it? (laughs) Back in chapter four, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Chapter seven, verse 28, the law appointed high priest men who have weakness. Uh, Chapter seven, verse 23, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. One of the things that we all have in common is our weakness. Can I just say that that is not a bad thing? Paul would later say what? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Our weaknesses, our infirmity, our humanness should drive us to our great high priest. The one who is acquainted with all the temptations that we face. And the one who is better than the angels, better than Moses, better than Aaron, better than all these others, because he's the perfect God man, the perfect high priest. So what I want to leave with you today is this thought. Let's go boldly to the throne of grace and find help and mercy in our time of need. That's what the scripture says to us in chapter four, verse 16. What an invitation. What a glorious invitation. Imagine if that was a human level. What would you do with it? Imagine that we don't have a king, but let's just go. Maybe we'll go over and and we'll say we're over in in, uh, Britain and and the queen invites us in. And there she is in all of her uh, power upon her throne. And she says, you may come in to the throne room and whatever it is you need, I'll give it to you. Whatever help I can assist you in, the full wealth and value of the kingdom is behind this offer to you. What would you do with that? Would you say, oh, I don't have time. Ball games on this afternoon. I'm going to watch the ACC tournament. Can't do that. No. You would go before that throne, would you not? And you would find the grace and help that you need. And here's the interesting thing, though. How would you go before that throne? Well, we would go probably very carefully, very meekly, very humbly. But yet I read here. It says in verse 16, let us therefore come boldly and not upon our righteousness, not upon our merit, but because we're in Christ, because he's our high priest, because we belong to him. He's the one who's passed through the heavens because we know him and we're in him. We can then come boldly to the throne of grace, the place of prayer 
and obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So I say to you today, what do you need? What are you facing? What temptations? What troubles? What issues? What trials? God has said to you, as if you're a child of God, and by the way, if you're not a child of God, please come to Jesus. He died once for all for you. And He'll receive you as His own if you'll repent of your sin and place your faith in Him. But if you know Him today, what do you need? Are you taking Him up on His offer? Are you taking His counsel and coming to Him boldly and saying, Lord, I need help. I need grace. I need mercy to help me in my time of need. Let's do this. Would you just take a moment? Let's pray together. And I'm going to give I'm going to do silent prayer first. And whatever it is on your heart today, child of God, would you just take this promise from Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 and take it to the Lord and say, Lord, you said in your word that you understand our weaknesses, you understand the temptations, you face them all without sin. And you said I could come to you boldly for help and grace. So, Lord, I come today. Would you do that right where you are? Let's have a moment of silent prayer and then I'll lead us in a prayer and then we'll sing and then we'll go. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for our great high priest. The one that's seated at your right hand right now, ever living to make intercession. The one who is able to save to the uttermost all those who come to him and through him. Father, I thank you that we have a high priest that understands what it is to be human. Understands what it is to be hungry and to be tired and to be thirsty, to know what it is to suffer pain, to know rejection, to know abuse. And Father, I thank you for the invitation, for the promise that we can come boldly to your throne of grace through Christ and find mercy and grace to help. In our time of need. Father, we are a weak and a needy people. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Father, help us to learn to let our weakness drive us to the throne of grace to find the help that we need. I don't know what my brothers and sisters are facing today. I don't know what it is that they're dealing with, but I pray, Lord, that they would bring it to you today and find that grace and that help that they need. And Father, if there's anybody here who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior, I pray your Holy Spirit to convict them right now. And Lord, bring them that we might share the gospel with them and lead them to the cross. That they might have eternal life. 
We love you and we praise you and we thank you for our great high priest. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I want us to sing in closing. Let me find it. Uh, What a friend we have in Jesus. 182. Because the words of that, I think, are so fitting what we've been talking about. Where in the first verse it says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Listen, the altar is open this morning. If you'd like to come and pray here, you're more than welcome. If you need to trust Christ, we'd love to help you with that. But let's stand together. One, eight, two. What a friend we have in Jesus.